there was a father who was with his son preparing to enter a watermelon patch to steal a watermelon. And before crossing the fence into the patch, the man looked all around him. And then as he was starting to cross the fence, the little boy said, Daddy, you forgot to look up. Where do we look when sickness strikes? Where do we look when sorrow comes? Or loneliness or disappointments or discouragements or temptations? This world in which we live can be very discouraging. The scriptures exhort us to focus our attention on heaven. The song we just sang, quite appropriate to the thoughts I'd like for us to think about together today. Focusing our attention on heaven when times are challenging for us. The Hebrews writer wrote, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you also become weary and discouraged, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And again, the Hebrews writer, and that's Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. But later on in the book, in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, we find these words, Let your conduct be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, we've answered that question in the past. What can man do to me? Matthew ten twenty eight. Jesus answered it really for us, didn't he? He said, do not fear him who can kill the body, but cannot destroy the soul. But rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, fear the Lord, reverence the God of heaven. The scriptures remind us so vividly that we can avoid and offset many trials and afflictions if we'll simply look up. Like the little boy encouraged his daddy to do, you forgot to look up. And you know, if that daddy had looked up in the proper sense, he never would have crossed that fence into that watermelon patch. So let me pose some questions this morning. Did you forget to look up when you did wrong? People usually hide their sins, lying, fornication, alcohol, drugs, cursing, pretty much anyone you can name. But when they do, they demonstrate that they have forgotten to look up. God is watching. Passage after passage makes that abundantly clear. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Job 31, 4, Job asks, Does he not see my ways and count all my 
steps. The psalmist declared in Psalm 139 at verse 12, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the night are both alike to you. We can't hide it from God. We're reminded in Matthew 10.30 that every hair of our head is numbered. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? An amazing thought. When you long for forgiveness, when guilt is gnawing at you, look up. Look up. In Isaiah 55 and verse 7, the Messianic prophet advised that very thing. God spoke through the prophet in Isaiah 55 and verse 7 and gave this inspired admonition. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous his thoughts. And here's the promise. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That's the kind of God we serve. The kind of God who will abundantly pardon. The psalmist in Psalm 103 and verse 12 put it this way, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has he removed our transgressions from us. If we are forgiven, if we will look up when we've done wrong and gain the forgiveness that truly comes from God when we comply with his terms of pardon, he puts our sins as far as east is from west, remembers them no more. And we're reminded by John in 1 John 1, 7 through 9, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you were tempted and you were weak, did you forget to look up? Did you forget the statement that Paul made in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will, with the temptation when it comes, make also the way of escape that you may be able to endure it? And what about Paul's statement in Philippians 3, 13 and 14 when he said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and Reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Looking unto Jesus, remember Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But that's the point. We have to look to Jesus and you can't live the Christian life unless you are a Christian. You can't look up and anticipate the help that comes from above until you have looked at yourself and become a child of God. And so when you did wrong, when you were tempted and you were weak, did you forget to look up? But what about when things were not going well? Did you forget to look up when things were not going well in your life? Everyone faces discouragement. If we live long enough, it's going to come to some degree or another, as we have often said. We have our peaks and we have our valleys. 
And when we are in those valleys, we look around at other people and sometimes we see that they are weak, that they are disappointing, that they're non-supportive, that they are helpless, that they are unstable. And sometimes it seems that no one cares. And we want to give up. No use. All is lost. Nothing seems worthwhile. Malachi spoke of the people of his day in those very terms when they said it is useless to serve God. And what profit is it to us to keep his ordinance and to walk in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Malachi 3.14. What an attitude. That was the attitude of God's unfaithful people at that time. Obviously, they were not looking up And if indeed we face discouragement that leads us to despair and to unfaithfulness, we're looking too low. We've got to keep looking up. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. The psalmist declared in Psalm 121, verse 1 beginning, From whence cometh my help? That's a question. From whence cometh my help? Question mark. The answer, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. In the time of trouble, the psalmist elsewhere wrote in Psalm 27, 5, He shall hide me in his pavilion, in his holy tabernacle. That's where he'll hide me. How many times do you see the phrase in Scripture in the New Testament, be of good cheer? Jesus spoke it on more than one occasion to a paralytic whom he healed who had such faith, and the ones who brought him to Jesus had such faith that they were willing to tear the roof off the place and get him down to him. And he said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. In Matthew fourteen twenty seven, when the disciples were at sea and the storm arose and they were filled with fear, Jesus said, don't be filled with fear. Be of good cheer. And he calmed the storm. In John 16, 33, in the midst of that great treatise that he delivered to his despondent disciples not long before he would leave them and go back to heaven, Jesus said, be of good cheer. There was a time when the Apostle Paul had petitioned the Lord three times to remove that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, and there's been much speculation about what it was, but whatever it was, it was a thorn in the flesh, and three times Paul petitioned God to remove it, and God's response in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Just don't forget to look up. Just don't forget to look up. And so when things were not going well, have you ever forgotten to look up? When they were not going well, that is. Well, what about when they are going well? Does anyone ever forget to look up when things are going well? I'm afraid so. Great many people in the world in which we live do forget to look up when things are going well. Many people think of prayer or Think of serving God or think of their weaknesses and their sins only in time of trouble or need. It's kind of the attitude, Lord, stand by me in case I need you. But in prosperity, many times people often pat themselves on the back rather than giving thanks to God for that prosperity, for those good times. 
Oh, there's a classic example of that in Daniel 4, isn't there, with Nebuchadnezzar? When Daniel had interpreted his dream and told him the kingdom is going to be taken from you because of your pride, and rather than heeding the interpretation, it wasn't too long after that that Nebuchadnezzar was walking through his great palace and said, in effect, look at all this. Look at all this that I have done. And while the words were still in his mouth, while he was still speaking the words, he was driven from his kingdom and made to eat grass and the hair growing like a beast of the field and his nails like eagle's claws until he ultimately came to his senses and recognized that it wasn't his at all, that God still rules in the kingdoms of men and that it all belongs to God. The rich fool in Luke 12 tragically did not understand or appreciate that all that he had really was God's possession. He was but a steward of it. And so he wanted to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. And to him these words were spoken. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And whose shall these things be? They won't be yours. Not anymore. Romans one twenty one reminds us of those that knew God. Although they knew him, they did not acknowledge him as God. Their hearts were darkened, and they turned to lustful activity. And you know, there are many in our world today who complain about imagined hardships, not enough money, not enough clothes, not a fine enough car, not a big enough house, not enough time, etc., etc. The complaints are virtually endless. They're forgetting to look up. Things could be worse. And we need to say thank you, don't we? Colossians 3.17 reminds us that whatever we do in word or in deed, we're to do all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus, that is, by his authority. But what's the last part of that verse? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Giving thanks. Giving thanks underscores and permeates everything that we do. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that same thought. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. With thanksgiving underscores everything. Time and again we see it used in a participle form, meaning it, it accompanies whatever's being commanded, and it is to be an ongoing process. It's not a matter of only giving thanks when we like to give thanks. So let us not ever forget to look up when things are going well. And of course, when things are not going well, or when we do wrong. But also, we ask, did you look up when you were working hard? and became discouraged nonetheless. You know, even the Lord's work can be discouraging when our efforts do not bring forth the results as we would like. But we've got to keep looking up and not look too low because the Lord is aware of our efforts. He's aware of our efforts. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, the admonition that 
we are so familiar with, I'm sure, given to the Corinthian brethren by the Apostle Paul is, Therefore, brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain in the Lord. And the Lord's expectations are fairly simple. Plant and water and be faithful. Plant and water. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Paul said, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And be faithful, not perfect. God never requires sinless perfection. It's not a possibility for any of us, but he does require faithfulness. And any service that we render from the heart does good, doesn't it? In Matthew 10, 42, Jesus reminds us that whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And so, let's remember to look up when we're working and become discouraged. But also we need to look up when we come to worship, don't we? And we need to ask ourselves, why are we here? Well, sometimes a boyfriend might be in the assembly because a girlfriend is there, or vice versa. Are we here because of parents? Are we here because we're supposed to be here? Are we here, are we here because we had to be here? Are we here to see someone else? Are we here to hear the latest news? What are we doing while we're here? Are we awake? Are we writing notes? Are we talking? Are we drawing pictures? And what about our hearts while we're here? Is there hatred there, resentment, bitterness, envy, jealousy, etc.? If so, you forgot to look up. You can turn to Isaiah again. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 15, and you can see here, you can read about worship that was going on where no one was looking up. Listen to verses 10 through 15, and listen to how God through the prophet addresses his people, Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah? They were long gone when these words were written. He's saying, you're like Sodom and Gomorrah? And then he asked, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. There's the key. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. There's inconsistency there. There's hypocrisy there. Your heart is not in it. You're doing the sacrifices as the law commands, but where's your heart? Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates God instituted those new moons and appointed feasts. And now he says, I hate them. 
Yes, he hates them because of the way they were engaging in them. They are a trouble to me. I'm weary of hearing them, bearing them rather. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Why not, Lord, we might ask. Your hands are full of blood is the answer. And here's the solution. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Relieve the oppressed. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There's the mercy of God to a people he addresses as being like Sodom and Gomorrah. But he says, if you'll change and your worship will become meaningful once again, and your lives will harmonize with what you are pretending to do when you come before me, then I will abundantly pardon. Looking up to God gives worship meaning. Looking up to God as we partake of the Lord's Supper, obviously. Looking up to God as we pray. Looking up to God as we sing and singing with the understanding and putting our hearts into that as well as our voices. Looking up to God as we give, as we have been prospered. Looking up to God as we study together, as we hear the preaching of God's Word. It transforms our hearts. Jesus said something about that in terms of worship in the great Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 when he said when you come to bring your gift before the altar and you realize your brother has ought against you leave your gift before the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift because worship is to transform our hearts it's easy to become discouraged it's easy to become disappointed out of touch, etc., when we look around us too much. Because when we do that, we're looking too low. We've got to look up when we're tempted to do wrong. We've got to look up when things are not going well. We've got to look up when things are going well. We've got to look up when we're laboring for the Lord. And we've got to look up when we're in the assembly. You know, when... The Lord Jesus ascended back to heaven. The angel there said what? You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? Said the same Jesus who's taken from you is going to be coming back in the same way. But you know that question, why are you gazing into heaven, is not a bad question for us to think about. Gazing into heaven is not such a bad idea, really, is it? In fact, we need to do more of it because that will help us keep our eyes fixed on our goal. Again, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he does meditate day and 
9. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I will say, rejoice. Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul wrote. And yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 1 Peter 4, 16. Oh, yes, there are all sorts of passages that give us strength. And we summarize them all with this one in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul, writing to Christians, says, If then you were raised with Christ, if you're a Christian, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Seek those things, or set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, as we close, can you set your mind on things above if you haven't been raised with Christ? Paul says no, by inspiration. Because the passage we just looked at says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things above. The one who's not a Christian can only seek those things above in the sense of saying, here am I, Lord, what do I need to do to become your child? And the answer for that sincere seeker of truth is, believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. John eight twenty four. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess Jesus to be the Christ, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Be buried with him in baptism for the forgiveness of sins, Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Then you are raised with Christ. And then, as one who is in Christ, you can spend the remainder of your days seeking those things which are above. Not looking too low, but always looking up no matter what the circumstances in life are. If you haven't done those things necessary to put yourself in a position to always be able to look up and to know there's one who's watching and one who will respond to your prayers, we plead with you to do that this morning. If you need to come home to your first love as one who's wandered from that way that you once loved and walked in, we plead with you to come in repentance, Confession of any sin that is public in nature with a full assurance. As so many of the passages we've looked at this morning depict, God will abundantly pardon. As we stand to sing, will you come?